Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we review Ryan's latest NASCAR race, and then give you a preview of the upcoming race for the weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We're coming fresh off of a race, a uh, rain, another rain-delayed race, this time this year at Martinsville Speedway. Yeah, you know, I kind of called that last week. Uh, I didn't think they'd get it started, though. That was the funny part is that you, you watch the weather forecast all day long, and it just looked like it was going to pour there and rain all day, and they did get enough time to drive the track, and um, the vortex thing, you know, started to work. And then there was a caution, and all of a sudden, because of the caution, I think it started raining, you know. Vortex got shut down, and it started raining. Yeah, definitely, definitely had to be the vortex. It was just really funny that this happens on a weekend or on a week where they did that wet weather tire test that we talked about a little bit in the last episode and it's like if only they could have put those things into 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 use they maybe could have got back racing a little bit sooner and we said that before that's really what those tires are all about it's not about oh we can go out there and race while it's raining it's more about the tracks like three quarters of the way dry let's let's send them out there but yeah, that first caution that came out, I knew that was going to kill it because you could follow the radar all along, uh, you mm-hmm. know, several NASCAR writers, and there's a couple Twitter accounts dedicated to doing race weather out there, and they're all basically saying, well, they might, at first I didn't think it was, it was possible they would get started, and then, well, they might get a few laps in, and I, I don't know, I was already clearing my plans for Sunday at that point, just anticipating that we would have a, a Sunday race, but for me, what I thought was the most unfortunate part is that for another week... Not in a row since there there was a break there, but another premiere event that's supposed to happen, and it happened um, last year too. Just the pandemic kind of threw a wrench into things for this Martinsville night race. It, you know, everyone's been waiting to go to it. Finally, fans were allowed to go to this race, anticipating it, and then the weekend happens, and then Mother Nature once again, just like it kind of messed with the Bristol week, it messed with the Daytona 500 the last couple of years, and then now the, this Martinsville night race. Though this race slightly ended under under the lights, yeah, it'll it'll get there one of these years. It'll uh, it won't rain and snow and sleet and whatever. Um, it, it's really kind of weird. It just there have been years where they've had no weather problems this time of year. So it's just one of those one of those things. It was one of those races too, where if you like cautions, um, I mean, there was one major. I think I called it a, a pile up on the interstate at one point, but there's a lot of single car spins. Uh, specifically a couple of cars that looped it on their own several times um so but typical short track racing but not a ton of carnage which was good to see ryan blaney race recap martinsville speedway so we got uh we're gonna get uh there were three of course three stages lap 130 260 500 uh, they were gonna have a competition caution which i think ends up getting canceled because of the rain delay um but early on um pretty good before before the rain starts uh the uh by lap four um <clears throat> the 11 took the lead off the 22 and then by lap 11 um he says it's chattering like crazy but he's up to sixth and he clears the nine uh, a couple laps later gets to fifth on lap uh, 28 he passes the 24 and he's up to fourth so you know then there's a the caution at lap 37 um they have four tires no fuel um, it comes uh, in fourth, but comes out third uh, on the pit stop. So they gained a, gained a spot there, and then of course the rain hits. Um, you know, and uh, they they uh, we're going to resume Sunday, of course, at four. So uh, it was nice they did an interview with them live on Sunday um, before the race started from the car. So that was kind of cool to do. Um, now they got the first choose cone of the day at this point. Now the choose cone was interesting because they were talking about, uh, not lagging going up to the choose cone. I guess there were some, some guys who were taking their good old time and, um, they were going to send people to the rear if they caught somebody. And they did it during the Xfinity race. I think Jeb Burton was the one that they essentially made a, um, an example of they, they warned them a little bit, those guys. And then he's one of the people that got sent to the back and, you're kind of seeing this 
it seems like one of the things that showed up last year was I think it happened at Texas was how guys were merging back onto the track after after hitting pit road and it seems like after a couple of years of being lax on the rule um, they finally started calling it out and guys are like wait I didn't even know that that was a thing and then earlier this year I think there was an issue with Joey Logano getting a penalty entering pit road where you can't enter side by side or I forget, I forget exactly what the rule was but it was like they all of a sudden they started calling this again so it seems like there's a few things that the people in the NASCAR officiating group are really just trying, trying to tighten things up yeah um so uh, he ch- he does choose the hi- the high line on this uh choose cone here and uh, the, what this does is puts him in the front row um so he actually would technically start second and um he uh now mind you the scanner <laughs> The scanner is down at the beginning of, the, of, of Sunday's action. Um, I don't know what's going on with NASCAR. Um, they were literally playing the Xfinity race scanner through most of the channels that I could listen to. And uh, it took about 50 laps to get the scanner up and running. I'm sure people were screaming at them, but, uh, you know, we pay for the service. So, um, so front row, second, and then the choose cone at lap 50 there. So by lap 77, he takes the lead. So he basically does this thing where, uh, and he talked about it um, during the Xfinity race, where he's got a certain line he likes to run, and he's very patient. He just runs that line, and the car was definitely set up, as you, as you hear all day, for the long run. So 20-some laps in, he, he hones in on Denny, and he gets to a point where he's just faster than Denny, and Denny's wore out his stuff. And he goes ahead and passes him and uh, starts to stretch it out. You know, lap 80, he's up almost a second at this point. And mind you, they're in traffic, and he's still stretching it out in traffic even, running around, guys. So um, he's uh, by lap 115, it's a two-second lead, and he's doing pretty good cutting through uh, traffic. And what's interesting is, is Josh is giving him the gap back to the 11, and um, I think they were kind of giving a couple teams a break. Um, keeping them from having to, you know, get the lucky dog. Uh, the 99 was one of them. And I think 22 later on ends up being one where they kind of like, they know they've got enough of a lead. They know they're not going to get caught by the end of the stage. Although, you know, later on it comes a little closer than we thought. But uh, but uh, end of lap 130, he wins uh, the first stage. Yeah, another, I think that was his second stage victory of the season at that point. You're bringing up this lap car thing. I can't remember if it was during this stage or the next stage, but when Eric Almarola put up like just this, I think at some point Ryan did just back off and say, okay, you're just going to, we're just going to leave this one alone because it's dangerous at some point. Like him and Almirola were going around the track side by side for multiple laps and just would not give up. And you don't, it's not like I expect, especially somebody in that caliber of equipment. Yeah. You know, they don't want to end their race that early on in the day when they can recover from something like that. If it was maybe somebody that's used to being lapped a bunch of times, yeah, they're going to get out of the way, but I mean, I was nervous that, you know, Ryan's day would end right there, just, you know, trying to put somebody a lap down. Yeah, they, you know, the guy who's who's about to go a lap down that early on um, does just doesn't want to be caught up in that. And and why use up your stuff? I think that's the main thing is why use up your tires, why use up the equipment, the brakes, and so forth um, in a situation where you don't have to. And, and they definitely were patient all day, so they were being smart about that kind of thing. Um, they go in for the for the pit stops at this point. A um, little bit of air pressure they're talking about, and he says something about the rubber clumping up on the track. So they were definitely kind of paying attention to what the tire wear was doing on the track itself. And of course, uh, Jeff does uh, the TV interview uh, for the stage winner, and um, uh, during that break, Josh is also giving Ryan a review of what the guys behind him were running, what kind of lines they were running, so he got to get an idea on who might be uh, gaining and who might be not. Uh, not doing so well uh the choose cone of course is low at this point because you're leading uh lap 140 is the restart and uh the 11 passes him in the first few laps so you know he knows that the 11's got the short run speed and he goes ahead and just kind of doesn't contest him he makes sure he holds off the the 19 and um in a couple laps uh, he's over a second back but you know within Let's see. Well, lap 152, he's 1.1 back. By lap 165, he's 0.65 back. By lap 173, he's 0.22 back. And then by lap 175, he takes the lead again. So, you know, just patiently, you know, running his line, running his lap, lap times, um, not overusing the equipment. And uh, he runs them down pretty, pretty easily. Yeah, the biggest key there in both of these stages 
and you mentioned it, Denny got past him, but he put up a pretty big fight to stay in front of the 19 because, yeah, you can track down Denny and pass him, but tracking down two guys and passing them on a short track is a little bit tougher of a situation to be successful at. He also showed, I've been talking about all year, about this new, more a little bit more aggressive Ryan Blaney, and you kind of saw that. I mean, maybe he's always been like this, but and he's running up front a little bit more this season, but he, a few of those times when he caught Hamlin, because Hamlin's not, he's going to put up a fight, especially in that first stage when he passed him. Uh, you know, they ran side by side for a while, but he gave him, he didn't just, you know, it wasn't like a super aggressive bumper, but he was tapping him, letting him know he was there over and over again. And then mm-hmm. at one point did kind of move him a little bit until he could get side by side. I mean, he didn't send him up into the wall, which is great. <laughs> you don't want to see that happen. Right. So, but I think he's just learning. I mean, maybe this, you're just seeing him kind of mature over these, you know, last five or so years being a, t- a cup driver that, you know, he really has to stand his ground and show that, you know, when he has the equipment, he's going to use it to the full extent. And um, sometimes that means just kind of get out of my way and let me let me lead for a while. So it was nice to see. Nice to see it wasn't malicious, but um, good use of the front bumper, I thought. Yeah. Uh, you got to let them know sometimes you're a little faster, you know, and, and that's that's part of it. Uh, by lap 195, he stretches it out to a 1.3 second lead. Uh, of course, Todd jumps on the radio, one, you know, just a little encouragement, just tell him he's doing a great job. Uh, by lap 200, it's one one and a half seconds. And um, now Josh is relaying the gap back to the 11 at this point. So uh, Ryan says, pretty much similar this run as it was the last run. And he says, I'll let you know if it changes. And this is because they're kind of anticipating in case they've got a pit stop coming up here. So. Um, by lap 210, there's only 19 cars on the lead lap, and this kind of gets jumbled up and changes at the end of the stage, too. So, um, let's see, uh, by lap 215, it's a two and a half second lead, and um, lap 235, it's a three second lead. So, he, he stretches it out pretty quick here. Um, the, cl- the caution comes at lap 240. Um, Ryan tells him it's the same issues we've been talking about. Um, now, he goes uh, in first and out first. Um, they put some air in the right rear to help fire off better so they get a better restart. Um, and uh, they got, uh, let's see, they take the choose gun low. Uh, they restart with 13 to go on the stage. Um, get a pretty good start, and he clears pretty quick. Um, then there's the caution at lap 250. Um, and he's saying he can't get going. There's chatter everywhere, uh, and they're changing the brake bias to help a little bit. Puts around in the front. Um, he chooses the low lane here with two laps to the end of the stage. Gets a great jump on the restart and wins, uh, of course, wins stage two. So, um, <laughs> of course, this is the right at the end of the stage where Denny almost catches him. And uh, he says, uh, almost gave that one away. And Josh says, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I remember this was a point in the race where I'm talking to you and I was saying, you know, this is a key moment. They made that air pressure adjustment that I said, you know, this this could be essential that if there is a late race restart, this is kind of the test session for that. Uh, they had a little bit of time, and they ended up being able to test it twice there at that point. Um, but Ryan did a really good job on both of those restarts, specifically one of those two. I can't remember which one from those cautions that he jumped out way far ahead and, and kind of got out of there. Um, but, yeah, Denny, Denny at the end of that stage, it was almost side-by-side side for the, the stage victory. So... Ryan picks up the third stage victory of the season, which again, just keep getting those stage points plus the playoff point every time you win a stage. Yeah. Uh, for stage three, of course, they come in for fresh tires. Um, and Todd mentions it's good info in case they need to use it later or the short run, you know, later in the race. So uh, they, uh, they go ahead and adjust back to get the long run speed back in it. Uh, they go pit in first, out first. But 10 cars stay out. Now, this is a bunch of the cars that pitted at the end of the last stage. They decide to stay out. And this is where things get a little jumbled for a while here, where some of these cars end up running up there. Um, and Todd tells them, don't worry about it. You've been awesome all day. So you should be able to get up through these cars. So, uh, he says 235 laps to get it back, you know. Uh, the choose cone, they choose the high, and they end up in the fifth row. This um, was a strategy part where there's actually a few guys here that – that played that strategy and then were able to stay up front for a while. So you kind of see two different strategies working throughout this race. Um, while people get off sequence a little bit, 
I was really nervous at this point because Ryan had been running in the top three, top two the entire race. And I'm like, up, oh, stuck back in the middle of traffic. And um, it's, you know, the hornet's nest back there. And hopefully he survives. Uh, so they do the, um, let's see, the 273 is 10th and the 11 leads at this point. Uh, there's caution at lap 277 for the 77 that spins, uh, and they're up to a uh, 10th place. So choose cone is high and they're in the fifth row again. Um, by lap 286, he gets it up to eighth and there's another caution that for the 51, <laughs> I think the 51 caused three cautions. They said on, on TV, uh, um, so uh, they pit for four tires at this point. They go in eighth and come out fifth. They gain three spots on the pit stop, just so people, you know, they gain three spots. This, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is the second time they've come in, either where they've held position or gained position the entire race. So like you said, keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, six cars stay out at this point. So when it's all said and done, he actually ends up being 11th. Um, see, that's the thing people don't realize too. He gains three spots on the pit stop, but six cars stay out. So you end up losing six positions to a bunch of guys. who are going to try and stay out in front of you on, on older tires. Um, he uses the choose code. He does the top or the high, uh, which puts him in the sixth row. Um, by lap 297, they go green. Um, <laughs> the 23 was the leader. He stayed out. Uh, lap 300, <laughs> he's in the bottom of three. They actually went three wide a couple different times on these restarts. So um, by lap three or four, he's up to 12th. Um, and uh, yeah, lap three or somebody asked him to check the nose because they did bump into somebody a little bit harder than they wanted to there. Um, but actually, it was no big, no big deal. Uh, the car was getting a little hot because they were running in more traffic than they'd run in all day at this point. Um, but uh, lap 312, he's up to 10th. Lap 3, 14, 9th. Um, the 24 takes the lead here at this point. Um, and at lap 318, he's all the way up to 7th already. So then there's a caution at lap 321 for the 18. And he was running 6 at this point. So um, they tell him, do what they're doing in front of you. So they do pit. Everybody in front of him pits. Um, goes in 6th, out 6th. Uh, they have two sets of tires left at this point. Uh, and I think they end up with another set that's only six laps old. So um, Todd says he didn't pull the tape. They'll, they'll be able to cool the car off here during the caution. They're not going to pull any tape or anything like that. Uh, they go with the choose cone. They go high. So they've been row three. What did you think about this? Throughout this middle part of the race, you know, Martinsville, one of those places where they said the choose cone would be the most beneficial because you want to be on that bottom row, but consistently they were taking that top lane over and over and over again, except for when most of the time when he was uh, running up front. I think as good as his car was, it didn't matter. I mean, there are other guys that needed that low line in order to, you know, hold the position and, and fight somebody off. But as good as his car was, he could run up high and find the spot. And as soon as he found the spot, then go ahead and run his line you know, once he got there, run his line. So, yeah, I don't think it bothered them as much. Um, I, I think they'd rather have that position than uh, they tried fighting from the bottom once or twice, and it just it didn't matter. So <clears throat> they were better, especially when the field got jumbled with the people who the wave rounds and the people who didn't pit. Um, you were going to be running around a bunch of guys who uh, you were better than to begin with. So then it was a matter of just figuring out which line wasn't going to stack up as bad. You know, um, there's caution lap 331 uh, for the 38 car, and they're running P7 at that point. Um, they're staying out, and um, they're, they're hoping for a long run at this point. So uh, the choose cone, they go low, and then from row four, and uh, by lap 339, he's up to fifth with the 11 leading and of course there, here's all the cautions start happening caution at lap 340 for the two uh they stay out with because they only had six laps on the tires uh choose cone low in the row three uh another caution at lap 348 for the six <laughs> um they and won that, and that yeah. one specifically i mean ryan's technically involved in that caution yeah uh, things kind of get stacked up there um 
and Brian, uh, Ryan Newman ends up being the one that, that kind of spins in that whole situation. So uh, Brian Blaney, at least, <laughs> I mean, came out a little bit unscathed, but it's just a product of racing at Martinsville. They call it that, that accordion effect. They talk about it during the broadcast, though. So unfortunately, but Ryan Newman was able to kind of rebound after that spin. Yeah. Uh, they stay out. They end up fifth here at this point. Uh, choose cone. They choose low. End up in row three. Um, <clears throat> by lap three sixty, passes the twenty four for fourth. Lap three sixty three, he passes the forty eight for third. Um, and I just note this: at lap three seventy, he's two point five seconds back of the eleven. Um, then a caution just after that for the forty three. <laughs> um. And Ryan just, he was, he was a little frustrated because he says just starting to come to him. In other words, he's getting a longer run and he was starting to, to, to gain the ground and he was, he was getting there. Uh, they do a f- uh, four tire stop. They're in third and out fourth, uh, three cars stay out. So he ends up P seven. Once again, a couple cars staying out and jumbles everything up. Um, <clears throat> choose Cody takes the high for uh, row three lap three seventy eight. He's middle of three. And, and Josh says something about take it, take it, take it. So, there was something that happened and somebody had checked up and he really didn't see it on TV very well, but he was able to get his way through whatever. It was just a checkup. It wasn't like there was a wreck or anything, but uh, he got it up to third at that point and uh, he's messing with the 22 at this point too, at lap 380. So they're kind of around each other and, uh, you know, Joey found his way up front. You know, he looked horrible earlier in the day, but once he gets there, uh, he's hard to pass and, uh, you know, yeah, another example, right? Ryan was really close to lapping him at one point in the race, but he was saved by a caution right as soon as he was catching him. But yeah, the 12 and 22 were glued to each other for a little bit during the later stages of this race. And um, yeah, I mean, it was beneficial. <laughs> Joey, Joey's, uh, you know, the the fight that he drives with was beneficial when Ryan won in Atlanta. Um, but when it's those two that are racing each other, I mean, Joey's going to race everybody hard. He'll, he'll race his probably his wife hard if he if, if she was in a car mm-hmm. next to him too so i mean i can't necessarily blame him for that but uh yeah there's there's a couple of times ryan ryan's car was a little bit loose and he's on the inside of him he's made a little bit of contact a couple of times there so yeah. but they 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 survived now well you know what truthfully joey gave way at, at some point he did he, he he realized that ryan was faster and he, he did kind of not like he just olay and got out of the way but he did you know, you do give him the chance to get by. Here we get to 386 for the caution, and I called that mini Dega. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. it was yeah, like, that was something. And with the interesting part about that is, I know um, Kyle Busch did get some damage uh, when the two the two was pushed into his driver's side door, essentially. But out of all of those cars that were in there that ended up on fire and various things, the Busher and and. Uh, uh, Kyle Bush were able to bothly kind of get away. <laughs> like they're the ones that caused the whole thing, uh, but they kind of got away and continued on for the, the remainder of the race for at least a little while. And uh, but yeah, that, the rest of that pile up between I think De Benedetto got got some in there, but he was able to keep going. But Suarez, I think I called that the, <laughs> the, the he had a campfire going on <laughs> in his car, and uh, he wasn't. They took that opportunity after that to throw some water bottles over at William Byron to show some displeasure from an incident earlier in the race. And people made some jokes about, you know, he probably should have thrown the water on his car that was on fire. And yeah, the, and then the hot sauce car, another, uh, the Ryan priest car was on fire after that incident. So lots mm-hmm. of, uh, busted up cars. That was really the only major point of carnage in the whole race. There's yeah. some smaller one-off incidents, but definitely blocked the interstate on that one. This was, um, you know, red flag and, and Josh, it, this is why I listened to the scanner because <laughs> during a red flag, of course, you can talk about strategy and you're going to talk about what you might do and not do and what happened. But then, you know, you get, you get stuff like, this is some high quality entertainment, he says, <laughs> followed by, uh, this was my favorite, Brad, he's talking about Keselowski, um, <clears throat> He says he ran his best lap under the caution to tell the 42 that he was number one. Yeah, yeah, the 42 isn't making a lot of friends this year. <laughs> um, then at some point, uh, where did I, did I write it down? Yes. Um, 
they, he started telling Ryan about who won the Masters because I guess he had looked it up on his phone and it just had happened. And he goes through all the things. And I think Ryan said something about, well, he gets to golf there for the rest of his life now or something like that. And he goes, he goes yeah. He says, uh, Jason says, I'd like to be 92. Roll, roll me out there and tee it up. <laughs> he'd, he'd show up until he died at the Masters. So. Yeah, I mean, that that red flag did go on for a long time, so I can imagine they get a little bit bored out there <laughs> after they've they've talked strategy for a little bit. So you got to do something. I mean, I've seen guys look like they take to, they take a nap every once in a while, so I guess yeah. it just depends. Yeah, it was, it was some good stuff. Um, they they do talk about some pit, uh, pit strategy there. And, you know, he's, he, Todd, Todd definitely tells him about it. He has one set of stickers, and then that set of tires is six laps. Um and lap 387, uh, Todd gets a TV interview, which was kind of cool. Uh, I'll come down off the pit box while things are going on and, uh, and did an interview. Um, of course, the 24 and the 20 pit during this uh, because they had not pitted or, or in the earlier pit stop. So Ryan's um, up to second at this point, choose cone high. <clears throat> um, the 19 and the 22 tangle on the restart. Um, but uh, Ryan is lap 396 is when the green hits. He's 12th. He's, you know, in second. Uh, I mean, sorry, the 12th car is in second. And uh, 0.715 back. Now, this, this, the radio is pretty quiet from here on in because he's just chasing, basically chasing. And by lap 450, he's 0.2 seconds back. You know, he's gained a, a half a second in about 30 or 40 laps. And he's closing in now. He's starting to do that thing where he's just closing in. And of course, we get the caution at lap 451. Yeah, for the it's, four. it's not what any of us wanted to see. I mean, like he's finally reeling him back in again. I'm like, can we just? We had this rash of cautions. Let's just get a clean run to the finish. But it wasn't meant to be. No. Um, and they talk about being able to fire off a little bit better going, you know, going into the next restart and. Um, the the whole incident with the gun, the pit gun, um, I know that online people go crazy, you know, when they see stuff like this. Look, every team has something happen sooner or later. Has it happened a couple times at, at this track? Yes. Um, but understand, the guys that are pitting this car, I don't know how much turnover they have from year to year, but some of them, maybe all of them, were – on Joey's pit crew when Joey won the championship. These, this pit crew was Joey's pit crew. They travel with, with the uh, crew chief. So these are not, you know, amateurs. <laughs> this isn't like you pulled a team up from the truck series to pitch your car, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously I was disappointed. Like no one wants that to happen. The crew doesn't want that to happen. Ryan doesn't want that to happen. Todd definitely doesn't want that to happen. And, you have to remember again, this is a team that's pulled off one of the fastest pit stops of the year. As we pointed out throughout this entire recap of this race, they gained positions or at least held position nearly every pit stop of the race. And what there's eight or nine pit stops in this race. So yes, it was in a, in a, in a clutch position. I saw, I mean, as the, the tire changer came around, it looked like he was caught up on a little bit. And then I was a little concerned, but everything else after that timing wise seemed fine. But then, as soon as you see that that hose kind of going with the car, I was just like, I think I just texted you. I'm like, oh, just gutted. Just a gutted feeling because you know there's not a ton of time left. He could maybe race his way back up into the top ten after that, but it was just so, I don't know, sinking feeling. But, I mean, that, Brian said in his quote after the race, that's racing. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, he doesn't throw anybody under the bus. You know, it is what it is. He's hopefully to fix it. Um you know, lap 460, the 11 takes the lead, and um, Ryan is 19th on that restart. And he starts 19th, but he starts tail end, too. So 18th is a little bit further ahead of him than, than you know, right. You know, he's not right in front of him. So um, within the next 40, uh, 33, 20, 33 laps or so, he gains, uh, you know, 10, almost 10 spots. He gets it up to 10th. And then the 18 passes him. Uh, he gets on the radio at lap 477 and says, I'm wrecking loose. It's probably because I'm pissed. <laughs> and he's been driving all out the whole time. So, Yeah, like you said, yeah, he gained 10 positions on the track, but probably passed 15 or so cars just to get there coming from the tail end of the field. And 
we talked about probably used his stuff up a little bit trying to get there, probably made some passes on the outside and that uses the tire a little bit more. So mm-hmm. a really good rally. I mean, I, I've, anytime we faced adversity, I should say we, anytime this team has faced adversity this year, I said that's a key thing for championship teams is that they respond to that adversity and they're able to come back from it. And yeah, they got that penalty late in the race, but he still was able to drive his way back up into the top 10 and then kind of hang around there till the end. Yeah, um, uh, Truex ends up passing Denny, which is probably the same thing would have happened if Ryan was in that position, you know, uh, the way Denny's car was set up, the way Ryan's car was set up. So Truex, Truex takes advantage. Um, but at the end of the race, you know, Todd Todd says, hey, good driving today, man. And, uh, you know, Ryan says, good car. And, of course, uh, they, they both talk about there's a lot to build on for the next time they're there. They're going to work on some things about the short run speed. Um, but uh, everybody did a good job all around. And, um, you know, they, they showed the same thing again. This is that they show how uh, when there is adversity, you don't just sit back and go, oh, geez, here it is. And then, you know, bury their heads in the sand. They got up off the mat and they did something about it. They went and got their way back up there as best they could. And, and Ryan at one point with about 15 to go was saying something about, boy, I hope getting another caution because he knows he gets one more restart. He probably could get four or five more spots in that last 10 laps. You know, he, he was coming and you know, that's the thing. You, the best plan is is to be out front and lead and win. But, you know, when things don't go your way, good teams still find a way to make the points. And that's the best part that people don't realize about this is that, like you were saying to me earlier today, is like four weeks ago, we were hoping they were going to make the top 16. Two stage wins, to, you know, yesterday. And look, they're in fifth place in the, in, the, in the points now. You know, fifth place going into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, another stage winner too, to be almost like winning two races, you know, with the extra bonus points they get. So, you know, don't, um, don't get out the tinfoil hats just yet. Um, stay off this thing about firing people and getting rid of people. What you want is improvement. You know, right now it, you'd love to win every single race. Um, but right now you're also learning things for later in the year. And really, sure. Look at, uh, Kevin Harvick last year. Kevin won all kinds of races during the year, you know, and then it came playoff time and he wasn't there in the last one of the season for the championship. You don't want to peak right now. You want to peak in October and uh, you want to get to that point, have some things built up. Yes. You know, sure. You'd like to win five or six races before now and then, but really next time you get to Martinsville, you want to win Martinsville next time, you know? So, yeah, this is one of those things where what's been great about the last few weeks and the win and all this stuff is that they've just shown consistency. And consistency in this era doesn't necessarily necessarily win you championships, but it wins you the opportunity to race for a championship. So if they can just keep pulling off these consistent runs, I mean, he finishes 11th in this race at Martinsville in the end. That's not a terrible finish, especially when you have two stage wins on the day. So going back i mean martinsville is the you know the penultimate race of the season right before they head back to phoenix again for the championship and the way he has run at this track um basically you know the last several races specifically a second a second probably should have finished first or second in this race he's gonna win at martinsville in his career i can't you know call my shot and say when it's going to be i'm hoping it's in the fall obviously and i'm hoping that's also the way he punches his ticket in the championship four if not sooner so i'm um, definitely getting the cart before the horse at this point since he still has to get through that first round but um but yeah so i'll have to say i think this race is history and i think it's a good time to take a look at this week in nascar history this week in nascar history All right, Steve, I've opened up my record book, and we're going to kick it off here. April 12th, 1952, Buck Baker wins the 100-mile NASCAR Grand National Race at Columbia, South Carolina, and Lee Petty vaults to the top of the point standings. Fonte Flock, points leader entering the race, sits out due to injuries suffered in a Martinsville crash. E.C. Ramsey crashes into a passenger car that attempts to cross the track during the race. Ramsey's Ford and the passenger car are heavily damaged. Well, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, 1950s NASCAR race at, at uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Apparently, they didn't have tunnels <laughs> at that point. Um, they didn't have a stoplight. Maybe they should have installed a stoplight so to, to make sure something like that doesn't happen. Maybe it was the birth of the figure eight race. 
Coming up next, April 13th, 1975, Bobby Allison, running two laps behind with 40 laps to go, scrambles back into contention and rides to a narrow victory in the Rebel 500 at Darlington. A crash involving David Pearson and Benny Parsons opens the door for Allison, who edges Daryl Waltrip by a car length at the finish line. Jumping ahead to April 13, 1980, David Pearson, making his first start in the Haas Ellington Chevrolet, is out front when rain curtails the Rebel 500 at Darlington after 258 miles. It becomes Pearson's 105th NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Victory. And Steve, I believe you had an update. Breaking <laughs> oh, news good. update. <laughs> Breaking from history the, news update on, on yeah, a David Pearson item from last week. Yes, because last week it was 1979 where him and the Wood Brothers parted ways uh, after, after the race because uh, of a pit incident. Well, I looked up the pit incident and, and what it was said was that there was a miscommunication in the pits and he left pit road without any of the lug nuts being on any of the tires. And the wheels fell off when he got to the end of pit road. You do that in this era, and pretty much I think every single person on your team is suspended for a race. Mm. Um, once you count up all those lug nut fines. <laughs> Let's take a look at April 18th, 1999. John Andretti overcomes a spin-out and a lap deficit to win the Goodies 500 at Martinsville Speedway. Andretti, driving for Petty Enterprises, finishes 1.06 seconds in front of runner-up Jeff Burton to grab his second career NASCAR Winston Cup victory. And finally, April 16th. 2000, Jeff Gordon comes from the 36th starting position, takes the lead six laps from the finish, and wins the Die Hard 500 at Talladega for his 50th career victory. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. As I say every week, tune in again next week as we take a look through the record books and some interesting dates throughout the history of NASCAR. Ryan Blaney, Weekend Preview, Richmond Raceway. All right, Steve, it's the week on the schedule that I know every single Blaney fan has had circled all year long. We're heading to Richmond Raceway for the Toyota Owners 400, Sunday, April 18th. You can catch the race on Fox and MRN, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Richmond Raceway, a Blaney fan's dream over the years, right? Well, you know, yeah. Well, yeah he started, he started, <laughs> started off great. Good good there really good um that first xfinity race but uh you know it's interesting is the package right now that they run um and it changes next year but once the restarts are over and you get what you can on the restart it, it kind of gets spread out in single file and you really can't pass anybody unless you're way way better than the guy in front of you and um what's good about this week is he's uh, gonna start like seventh is, is what i've seen uh, so far from Bob Pockross's uh, calculations. So seventh, good starting spot on the inside, get a good start right off the, right the beginning of the race, jump out there a spot or two maybe, get to sixth or fifth. And like I said, once it gets single file, you know, you might be able to run up in the top ten all day and not, not really be in that backwash back there, you know. Yeah, I, I'm making, I mean, I'm saying most of this in jest. It's just... This is for Ryan's statistics. Now, if you look, take a look at the Xfinity series. So he made his debut in the Xfinity series at Richmond, finishes seventh in his first ever race um, in that series. And he went on to finish in the top 10 four more times in four other uh, outings that he had in the Xfinity series. But when it comes to the Cup series dating back to 2016, his highest finish in nine starts is 17th. And that came in the, uh, the fall race of 2019. He has an average start of 14.9 and an average finish of 24.8. For some reason, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if it's just been these consistent strong runs recently, but I kind of feel like this might be the time that he turns things around. I think last year, or in our season preview, we just talked about maybe this is a mental thing. I mean, sometimes he's been interviewed going into this, and he even says that, you know, Richmond's just not my track. But I think... This car, this team, the way that they've responded to adversity this year, I mean, I'm not expecting him to go out and win the race, but if he finishes in the, you know, top 10, top 15 even with a solid day and some stage points, I'm going to count this one as a at least a moral victory. I, I'm sure that the offseason was spent on things like this, you know. Um, there, there are a couple tracks that you're just not as good at or whatnot, but I think that he's not the type to just sit back and just accept that, you know? 
So I'm sure that he has worked on it and is going to spend this week working on it real hard and, and they might do something different with the setup or something to try and help fire off better on the restarts, like I said, because once they do get kind of single filed out there, it becomes hard to pass unless you're just that much better than the guy in front of you. So I, I, I do. I, I think that this is going to be an improved week no, no matter what, you know. And he has a couple of teammates here in Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano that are both multi-time winners at Richmond. And Brad Kozlowski is actually the most recent winner at Richmond in the fall race last year. So Team Penske itself knows how to win at this track. And Ryan's a very capable driver. So I think they just got to get a, a, you know, a setup underneath him that he's comfortable with. And they can go out there, like I said, and perform. I mean, it's, these are, these are the year or the types of races that championships are made of, which kind of just shows whether you can step up to the plate uh, when you face a challenge. I don't know what guys are supposed to do any of the, the races um, on the broadcast before, uh, you know, Xfinity or whatever this week, but uh, maybe Ryan can bump one of them out of the booth and he can go ahead and do another <laughs> broadcast. Um, it, like I said, there's something about being able to watch it from above from that booth too, that, uh, you know, it was interesting actually from last weekend's broadcast where um, Austin Dillon was talking to Ryan and basically Ryan was telling him about his line that he runs at Martinsville, you know, and, um, and, and I saw it later in the race that Dillon ran a lot better and it looked like he was running that line. You know, so there, there are these things that guys get off each other sometimes that, that help improve themselves too. So I, I do, I think this week is going to be an improving week. I don't, I don't see any, uh, you know, don't, no reason to be negative going into it. Starting up seventh, you know, as far as long as the car is strong, he'll be strong. So taking a look back at at least the last uh, few races dating back to 2017, let's take a look at the list of the winners here. First race of 2017, Joey Logano goes to victory lane. The second race, Kyle Larson. 2018, Kyle Busch swept both of the races. 2019, Martin Truex Jr. swept both of the races. And then again in uh, 2020, the race that they had there at Richmond, Brad Keselowski goes to victory lane. Yeah, the spring of, I think it was the spring one of 19 is one, one of the ones we went to. Uh, we made the trip down there. And that was the uh, the different package, because I think at that point that was actually a, a package that didn't, I think you had even said it was a little bit of a boring race, and then the next year NASCAR has kind of come back and tweaked things mm-hmm. a little bit, changed the horsepower and downforce and that kind of thing, trying to promote a little bit better racing, because, you know, when you think NASCAR goes to short tracks, you think just no matter what, it's going to be a slam dunk. But Richmond's kind of one of those tracks that's like, it's a short track, but it, it, the way that it's shaped and this, you know, kind of the sweeping front straight, it's just... I don't know, it almost races a little bit like a, a mile or a mile and a half track. Yeah, it got, it, like I said, it made it hard to pass um, once a guy got in front of you because you had to run the same line. And when that happens and you can't get underneath or, or you know, underneath somebody and turn any better than them or anything like that, it, it makes it just kind of boring. I hate to say that, but it was boring that night. Now let's run through Ryan's finishes here since his first start back in 2016. Again, nothing that's going to really stand out for anybody, but his first race, he finishes 28th, the second race, 39th, the third race, 36th, the next one, 18th, 22nd, 19th, 25th. Then the first, or the second race of 2019, he finished 17th, and then the lone race last year, he finished 19th. So, slight improvement. He's into the teens at this point on finishes, so... I don't know. I think that's, like I said, I think it's a different team this year. It's a different Ryan Blaney behind the wheel. And I think you might be able to go out there and turn some heads. If you're looking to watch this race again, it's the Toyota owners 400 Sunday, April 18th at Richmond raceway. You can tune in at 3 PM Eastern time on Fox MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio, and make sure you pick up one of those options, tune in and cheer on Ryan Blaney, and then go ahead and tune into us, the team Blaney podcast for the recap of the race after that. So Steve, we um we did a little bit of a, a fantasy preview last week. How did things fare for you and your fantasy roster this past week in Martinsville? Um, not bad. I uh, I had some guys that uh, were coming and coming and going pretty well during the race. Um, I racked up uh, some pretty good points. I was gonna say, based on the point standings for Martinsville specifically, you did tie for six for most points accumulated. So not not too shabby of a day. Yeah, I had Logano, Elliott, Ryan. Truex and Hamlin. So I had uh, 
had guys that were running in the top uh, four or five most of the day. Um, I did have Ryan winning though, and that that didn't uh, that didn't pan out. But I had uh, Chase as the top Chevy, and I had uh, Martin as the top Toyota. So that uh, definitely helped boost me up there pretty good. Yeah, I mean for me, I had Denny Hamlin, Truex, Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace. I originally had Ryan Blaney in the garage, but I did move him in in place of Ryan Priest. And I thought that Ryan Priest pick was looking pretty good after the the Saturday night start to the race because uh, he actually started moving forward a little bit. Obviously, he was one of those drivers that caught up, got caught up in that large crash. So once that, um, well, actually, once he started to fade in the race a little bit early on, I swapped Ryan in because um, he won that stage, and I think he was getting ready to win the second stage, and that's when I made the swap uh, purely for points purposes um my bonus picks i had brad keselowski as the race winner that didn't pan out i had chase elliott as the top chevrolet so that's my um two of the bonus picks that i got correct i had ryan as the top ford that didn't work out i had hamlin as the top toyota that didn't work out i did have toyota as the winning manufacturer so that got me 10 bonus points and i had penske as the winning team because i thought this trio of drivers were going to do pretty well and each had a decent shot to win but that didn't work out either. Let's take a look at the league point standings overall in first place. Still holding down the first place spot, we have Doug K0525 with 1,541 points. In second, Steve's favorite team outside of his own, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. In third, we have Moon Cup. In fourth, we have Rochi12. I'm not really sure how to say that every time I've mentioned it. In fifth, Moving up in the standings, we have Steve's team, Mez12. In 6th, we have Blaney's Daisy. In 7th, we have Dean O'Might. In 8th, we have I'm a Winner. In ninth, we have Semper Fast. And in 10th, we have the Dolly Llama 4 with 1,438 points. If you're paying attention to my team, I'm still, man, I don't think I've moved at all. I think I moved down a little bit. Team Blaney Admin down in the 43rd position with 1,251 points. Something has to turn around. Maybe I need to fire my own pit crew to turn things around. <laughs> turn the mm-hmm. I guess it'd be me, the crew chief, that needs that needs a a talking. You to. need to consult. I think you need to consult with the wife. Uh, she's beating you. <laughs> she's beating you on a consistent basis here. And and this is nothing new. I think what, we're a couple. Of, we've done some leagues prior to the Team Blaney League, and then she really got into it last year and this past year. Uh, I did get in trouble for not reminding her that it was a Saturday race a saturday night night race and she was making her picks as the um the national anthem was being played <laughs> on oh saturday boy. night so uh, oh i didn't boy. check to see what her points were scored but whatever they were it's my fault that they weren't uh, as best as they could be so because she, she couldn't do all the research that she normally does ahead of time but in this household <laughs> she beats me every time in fantasy, oh, I gotta... fantasy racing leagues I, I do want to thank my wife. Um, she doesn't play the fantasy, but um, during during the race, she's huge into Twitter. And I've got my head down, and I'm taking these notes, and I'm listening on a headset. And she's it, it's starting to click now where there's certain things that she's telling me. So I write them down in case I miss them on the radio. And uh, she's picking things off of Twitter sometimes to, to feed to me too. So she's becoming more and more integrated in the notes that you're hearing because um, – we're figuring out how to do it and not, uh, you know, not trip up and, and still enjoy watching the race. That's the other thing is I sure I'm taking these notes and so forth, but we're still enjoying watching the race as we do it and, and I'm having fun with it. So, you know, I do want to thank her a ton for, for all the help she gives me all the time. Yeah. If you guys haven't noticed, I rely heavily on Steve. He's the one with pen and paper every week writing down all the nuances of the race. I like to think I'm more the big picture guy. I'm taking in the atmosphere, seeing how things feel and, and look and, and seem and what are the other trends throughout the races, just so I can, I can have something to talk about during these race recaps. Cause yeah, Steve's my guy there listening to Josh Williams every week, getting some of those tidbits out to you guys that you might not hear if you're not listening to the scanner week in week out. All right, Steve, I think that's, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the team Blaney podcast. If we had a message for this week, it's a old hashtag keep the faith message. Stay positive. Don't try to fire pit crews that are, you know, overall are, are, are performing really, really well this season. And hey, we're looking at Ryan Blaney, who's 
sitting fifth in the standings, both the current point standings and the projected playoff standings. So I think we have plenty to be thankful for. So I just want to thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our first episode that dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney. Don't forget to download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on all of the major podcast apps, including Apple, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or you can listen to us directly on Acast. Post that link up there every week when it's time to ready, uh, when it's time to download the latest episode. And to close out the show, I want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more on the foundation at its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, and then finally on their Facebook fa- finally on their Facebook page at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. We talked about it leading up until this announcement that the Blaney Bunch fan club is now live. You can find out all about that on the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation social media websites. I see Steve in our little Zoom chat here showing his uh, poker chip. That means he's already got his Ryan Blaney or Blaney Bunch fan club packet. So he is a card-carrying, poker chip-carrying member of the Blaney Bunch, and you guys really should too. The biggest thing to keep in mind with that uh, fee that you're paying to be a member of the fan club, all of the proceeds from that are going straight to the foundation and their partners with this fund a fellow program that they're really big into. So not only are you, are you joining a really cool fan club, you're helping out a great cause and you should consider donating. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers, and we'll catch you next week on the Team Blaney Podcast.